This programme is brought to you by Training Tilt. Training Tilt is a complete toolkit for coaches, health and fitness professionals and nutritionists. Combine your website, e-commerce needs, client communications and training plans into a single affordable platform. For more information, please go to www.lisatamati.co.nz forward slash training tilt. Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the podcast that gets deep into the psyche of extraordinary achievers across all genres, cutting to the chase to unlock the secrets of their success, their achievement, philosophies, and motivations. Join us in the quest to find out what makes the movers and shakers of our world tick and what gems of wisdom we can learn from them. Well, hi everybody, it's Lisa Tamati here at Pushing the Limits and welcome to the show again. If you're a new listener, it's so cool to have you join us today and I've got a real treat for you and if you're a returning listener, um, thanks once again for giving us your time. I really, really appreciate it. Um, before we get underway, I'd really, really love it if you guys could, if you enjoy the show and you enjoy the content that I produce, if you could go and give us a rating on iTunes, that would just be massive. Uh, and of course subscribe, a five star rating would be perfect of course, but whatever you feel like giving us, that would be really, really great. Now today I'm doing, I'm starting a little series on inspirational woman athletes and I've got a very special lady on the on the phone right now or on Skype with me right now, Tash Sekulich. Tash, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful, like you're a very, very inspirational athlete, so it's so cool to... Um, you know, have you on here and to share a little bit about your story and, you know, how far you've come in, in a, just a very few years, really, eh? Yeah, very short time, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, and you were with me on a race called the Big Red Run, is that right? Yes, that's right. I think that, that was about five years ago. Five years, now? four or five years ago. And that yeah. was a complete disaster for me, but very successful <laughs> for you, I hear. <laughs> I don't remember much from that trip. I was not in a good state of affairs. So um... no, I do remember. Um, I think I remember my last sort of the last thing I saw of you was you vomiting in the bushes <laughs> and uh, <laughs> not not looking too great. Not I not didn't think it was flash. your best day. But... <laughs> no, it definitely wasn't one of my better races. In fact, I had a couple of bad ones that year. But that's all part of the journey, isn't it? That's all part of of what we do, pushing the limits and finding out what we're made of, and it does not always go to plan. So people out there listening, you know, if you had a bad race recently, take heart. You know, I always say to my athletes that I coach that if you haven't had a few DNFs, you're not a real ultramarathoner yet. <laughs> That's absolutely right. And I think, um, you know, it's the ones that are so difficult, the ones that are so challenging that are the very reason we do this sport. If it was easy, we wouldn't bother. It's, you know, we don't, I think for most of us, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a mid-packer and um, there's absolutely no point I don't really get a it's not if you have a great race and everything goes smooth well yeah that's nice but you don't really think about it long term yeah. it's those ones that you um you hit the wall you face plant and everything that can possibly go wrong goes wrong that's when you really learn a thing or two about yourself and uh, I think that's really what drives us all and um what what makes us love this sport yeah it's, it's absolutely true and it's not always a pleasant um experience in the moment and you know, failing is never a nice thing or having setbacks is never a nice thing. But when you look back and you get a little bit of perspective um, after an event, you know, you can at least take the learnings from it and always look for the silver lining in each cloud that comes your way. Um, but let's go back and, and, and fill in the, the listeners on you. Who are you? Where you come from? A little bit about your background and your childhood and so on um, in a brief sort of nutshell version and then why on earth did you get into this sort of game what was your <laughs> so take it away Tash just okay, give us a bit um, of a background yeah so um growing up I definitely was not an athlete um I sort of came from a um a bit of a school of thought where you were defined by one thing you were either a bookworm or you were an athlete or you were artistic you sort of you picked one thing and that was what defined you and, and I was a bookworm and so for me sport just did never seem like it was it was a thing for me um and then um I went through a really tough breakup when I was in my early 20s and I just decided I, I wanted to do something for me um some you know alone time I guess and mm -hmm. um, a way to work through all of that 
that pain and that anguish and I, I signed up for a half marathon and and I think that's what a, a lot of people sort of it's that distance that's you know it's a challenge but it's it's not going to kill you and um, that was the start of, of running for me um, and then uh, shortly after that I was diagnosed with bipolar um, mm. And I was put on some pretty heavy medication and that made me gain a lot of weight and made me really tired and suddenly running was, was taken away from me again. As quickly as it came into my life, it, wow. was, it was taken away. Um, I left my job and, and took a, a few months leave without pay and I went on a road trip to the United States and um, I... So the medication that I'd been put on for the bipolar, that can do some serious damage to your liver. So um, I sort of was forced into this bit of a health kick because I couldn't couldn't drink any alcohol. Um, And so I just went with some friends and we we hired a car and we drove around the States. And just because we were in a car, you know, five of us girls, I would get up early and it started out just go for a walk before we'd get in the car and drive to wherever we were going. And then day by day, you know, I'd, I'd go for a bit of a jog. Um, and this was before things like Strava. I didn't have a Garmin, you know, I had no idea what pace I was going or, you know, all of that. I didn't have to worry about it. I just, I just went for the enjoyment. (laughs) And, um, and it was about that time that I picked up, um, a book, uh, by a Dean, I now I never say his surname. Yeah. Wonderful man. Wonderful man. (laughs) Uh, and I read his book, Ultra Marathon Man, and something clicked. I don't know. It was that being out in nature, um, just, you know, just running for the pure enjoyment, not caring, um, you know, how slow I was going, how tired I was. Um, and, and that book just came into my life at, at that time, the time when I just sort of needed something that, you know, defines you by the possibilities rather than than limitations. Um and so I came back and I sort of, I had a different view of running. I was no longer thinking of, you know, getting PBs or, or road yeah. races. And I was starting to think about ultra marathons. And then I found your book. <laughs> oh, Running Hot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think it's really fitting that, you know, I sort of, you know, I grew up as a bookworm. And I think my um, movement into ultra running was really defined by different books. Uh, awesome. You know, I picked up books at the right time that sort of opened up possibilities to me that I hadn't previously even uh, – when I picked up, picked up your book, I had no idea that world was even out there. <laughs> it's so true, eh? It's like, <laughs> what on earth is she talking about? You know, all this weird sort of stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and I think um, – it was just so authentic, and and I so I, you know, I so I'd finished Dean's book. I'd come back from um, my holiday, and I'd sign up to a marathon. I ran a marathon, um, and then I thought, you know, well, what next? And then the day I finished your book, I, I I literally put the book down and just got on the computer and started googling, <laughs> and I was looking at desert races. Yeah, and... well, wonder why <laughs> after reading my book. <laughs> I wanted to know more. You'd introduced me to something that I was like, what is this world? Wow. And it was the first year that the Big Red Run was was happening. In, in the, uh, so for those who don't know, that's a 250-kilometre stage race across the Simpson Desert yep. um, in Route Australia. Yep. And so I, I signed up on the spot like right <laughs> then. The day I finished your book, I How signed cool. up. What a cool story. <laughs> I've got to, I've got to hire you for it. my marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that was basically it. Um, you know, I, I, so then I, I did that event. I hadn't even run an ultra marathon at that stage. I'd run a road marathon, not a, you know, hugely impressive time. Um, I just finished it. That's all that seemed to, to matter to me. Yep. And your book made me think that anything was possible. And mm-hmm. so I entered that event and I had such an amazing time. I met amazing people, uh, including you. I couldn't believe it when I saw that you were going to do the race. Um, (laughs) And tatters. (laughs) (laughs) And and that really, like that for me, was that was the defining moment when I no longer was defining myself by um, what ifs or could I, it was why not, yeah. you know, why not have a crack? And, um, yeah, so and your identity that was the start. Must have, like, it must have just shifted your complete identity to realise that 
you don't like especially from my book I mean not so much from Dean's because Dean's is a superhero and a super athlete whereas I'm just you know absolutely average when it comes to abilities and speed and all the other problems that we all face most of us 90% of us um, but out there doing it and giving it a crack and I think that that's the most powerful message really because you know it's, yeah. it's cool uh, it's cool to learn from um, super athletes and be inspired by them but genetically we're not all there you know <laughs> so it, yeah it tends to be like well that's cool for them but is that really relevant for me and I think that's the power of us of 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 even you know sharing our stories really is uh-huh. that there might be another person sitting out there hopefully listening to this and going well maybe I can I'm, you know it, it's not about the the speed at which you finish the race it's about yeah getting across the line, hopefully within the cutoff times, but that's about it, you know? Yeah. Um, I think you're being incredibly humble by um, saying that, you know, you're not putting yourself in the category of super human athletes. But I think um, that one of the things that really um, – so, you know, I had, I had read your book and I had, you know – to me you were a superhuman athlete and then you know we there we were at, in the big red run and I, I knew you were having a rough day I'd yeah. heard I think it was on I'll day three I'd heard you <laughs> and I, I, heard, I heard you at the medic tent you know you, that you were in a bit of pain and, and we were running alongside and I could see you were suffering but I could see you would were not giving up you were just you know one foot in front of the other you were going to finish Trying. that day no matter what. Yeah. And to me, that was because this was my first, um, my first experience in outside of books and yeah. into the real world wow. of ultra running. And seeing that, I was like, "This is the sport for me." Like, yeah. <laughs> because it is, you know, and, and this can happen even if you are the superhuman athlete. This can still happen to you. You know, there is so much that can go wrong out out, out there in the desert or out there in the mountains or wherever you are. Because we are pushing the limits and we are humans, so we have variables that we can't always control. Um, to give you a little bit of background about that story, I've just gone through uh, a relationship breakup literally the week before, and my wow. whole world was in pieces. And so I, ha- I just didn't have the heart that I would usually bring to the table. And I was having major, major back problems because I've got four collapsed discs in my back. And so I was having all these spasms, and I was being put on um, tramadol which was really hammering my kidneys and I've never had good kidneys since the Libyan desert which you would have read about in that first book so I was really emotionally in a really bad space and physically in a really bad space as well Um, and and so that was you know like people don't know these stories like I haven't even Mm -hmm. shared that story because it's not not because I don't want to share a failure because you know I do I share my failures Um, but it was just one of many (laughs) Um, but it was one of those, you know, really, really tough times. And you would have, you know, like you mentioned earlier on with bipolar and, and, and going through a, a tough relationship breakup, how how devastating um, an emotional situation can be and then having to face a physical situation when you're in the middle of a process. Really, Absolutely. Really, really tough. Really, really tough. And um, so for me, and, you know, like I remember back then, thinking, feeling like a complete failure and feeling like a complete numpty and, you know, my, one of my heroes was there, Pat Farmer, and, you know, meeting him and then failing and, and thinking, oh my God, you know, uh, I've just, you know, failed in this big major race again and, um, but then going away and going, well, hang on a minute, you know, you weren't exactly in a powerful space when your heart's just been broken and your life's just falling yeah. apart, you know, um, and, and that's life, you know. You can't beat yourself yeah. up about it forever. You, you just got to try to get back on the horse and go for the next goal, and put that yeah. behind you. And then and share, you know, share these stories and these ups and these downs because other people are going through similar similar dra- dramas, you know. I yeah. Can, I mean, so we, when you started, like, once you'd done that very first multi-day stage race. What were you like after that? Were you like, oh, my God, I can take on the world? You know, like um, what sort of a evolution went on in your head during that? Well, event? it's such an interesting sport because it's really interesting what you're just saying and like that, all that stuff that you came into the race with. I think, you know, we it's it's such a soul-cleansing sport. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
And, you know, if you uh, think you're fine when you start a race, you (laughs) will not be for very long because all of that emotional stuff will come up. And, you know, I didn't know you other than reading your book and, I, I, um, you know, so I I had no idea that you'd been through that. But I I could see, you know, know, a a sorrow and I could see, you know, I could see you were working through some stuff. Um, Like we, like probably most of the people there was, you know, going through their own, their own story. And, um, you know, I, I think, um, I sort of, I came through because it's, it's like those kind of multi-day races, they're so different as well, because you're with these people day in, day out for seven days. It was such a different experience than had I just gone and signed up for say a hundred mile race as my first big, big race. It was, I had such a, you know, I, I loved the sport and I felt so proud of myself for having got to the finish line. But I, I felt like I had this love of humanity yes. after yes. going through yes. that. Like I, I was, you know, I could, I, I remember sitting at the Birdsville pub, you know, after we'd finished and, yes. and looking around well. at everyone and not everyone finished, you know, not everyone had a, had a great race. And we all felt that, you know, you couldn't just sort of, it wasn't all, it wasn't about the individual. You felt the collective um, experience. And, and I think that the depth of that experience was what really made me just love the sport. And, and so I want, I, I I wouldn't say that I felt invincible, but I wanted more. I wanted to know more about this sport. And, and I was at the the Birdsville pub and I spoke to Jess Baker, who I think she, She I think she finished first. Yeah, Yeah. she did. She won the whole thing. Yeah. And I said to her, um, I said, because I knew she'd run the four deserts and I said, you know, what was your favorite? And she said, Atacama. And I was sitting at the at the pub, and I entered right then and there. <laughs> <laughs> you crazy woman, crazy. But that's the that's the thing. How one thing led to the next thing, led to the next thing, and you're going on this incredible journey. And I think this is the this is the only sport I think uh, where you actually have with the comradeship, the soul searching, the the soul cleansing, the the drama, the the survival. You know, it can really come down to physically surviving. Uh, yeah. It can be that bad. Um, and pushing your, your limits. And it can look to the outside as if we're not all elite athletes and it doesn't look that hard. But it is incredibly hard. And it's incredibly tough on whatever level you are at in the athletic thing. You know, whether you're the fastest guys doing it in incredible times or whether you're the slowest, then you're the toughest because you're the, you're the one out there the longest. You yeah, know, there's so many facets to this sport, especially the multi-day stuff. I mean, it really, it, I mean, that race, you know, listening to your story, and, and I'm comparing it to my very first multi-day stage race, which was uh, the Marathon de Sables back in Morocco, and that was epiphany moment. That was like, oh, my God, this is the coolest, <laughs> most amazing, most soul-opening uh, experience I've ever, ever had, and... It was it was like bring bring it on. What's next? You know, like bring on the next one, and then I'll, you know, and then this addition <laughs> of one after the other, which you'll probably know very well too. <laughs> you know, you 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 sort of um, seesaw between absolute exhaustion and I'm got to have some time off. And on the other flip side, it's like, oh my god, I haven't got a goal. I've got to find something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, yes, absolutely. But it, it really is. Uh, it, I mean, it sounds cult, cult-like, really, if you like it, but it, it, it's, it's almost a moving religious experience, you know, whatever you, you know, believe in, in all that sort of stuff, but it's a spiritual experience in any case. Um, Absolutely. I was um, telling my mum when I heard from you that you asked me to be on your podcast, and I, I was <laughs> telling my mum, and I, and I said, you know... Um, and I, because I've got a lot of, you know, running books and I said, you know, when I started um, running, there was a, there were a lot of, you know, ultra runners who at the time I sort of idolized and, um, and, and of course you were, you know, one of them, I'd read your book and, you know, you were, you were doing things that I couldn't, could only dream of at that stage. Um, and I said, you know, but I said, you know, Lisa did the, the big red run and I said, and, and you know, she did a couple of things that, you know, all stood out to me that she, I thought, 
she is worth that hero status. And, <laughs> Even and though I failed a, miserably in front of you. <laughs> no, there was one thing, like, and I don't mean to, you know, embarrass you, but there was one the, that day that you were really suffering. There was a woman running behind us, yeah, and she was screaming in pain, and she probably should have stopped at the aid station. And I had seen you. We were running alongside each other for quite a while. I'd seen what a rough day you were having. And you stopped and you gave her your trekking poles. Oh, and we gosh. were like, yeah. I don't know, five or six K. Yeah. You st- we still had a long way to go. And I could see your back was hurting and I'd read your book. So I knew that you, you had a pre-existing me. back injury. <laughs> yeah. And you gave her your poles and she got to the end that day and you suffered on through. And, and I, I was telling my mum this story anyway. And I said, you know, that's stood out to me as just, you know, that is what this sport is about, but you deserved the oh, hero you, status in my, in my uh, book, in my life. Um, but my mum said, you know, it's not a normal sport that you guys participate in. It, it, it's kind of like some sort of soul-searching religion where you all look after one another. And, you know, she's never been a runner, so she's she just goes by these stories that I tell her. Yeah. She, you know, if she could, I'm sure she she wants to be part of it because she, it's these stories that get her um, the you don't get in any other sport. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, it'd be great if she could volunteer or something. For <laughs> because it is, it, it's. I think it's a little bit like, I mean, not not that I've ever been in the army or or anything, but it's a bit a little bit like uh, soldiers who go to battle, you know, together. Yeah. And we're not being shot at. We're not. Well, we are in danger of injury and dying because that does happen on occasion unfortunately, but it, we are, we're bonded together by something because we are in this together, and for 90% of us, it's not, a, we're never going to finish first, so it's not really about that, and and I would, the amount of, you know, like me helping that lady, the amount of times that the shoe's been on the other foot, I remember running across Niger, and one, uh, a 333 non-stop kilometre race across Niger, one of the poorest countries on earth, and I had food poisoning, and I was passing out in, in really, really deep, deep trouble. And um, th- this girl from England, Eleanor, uh, just happened to come past me, one of the 17 other runners in the race, and she, she picked me up and she kept me going. And when I collapsed, she stuck me in a sleeping bag. She, she stayed with me throughout the night as I was suffering really, really badly, and I was, you know, going unconscious and all this sort of stuff. And she stuck with me, you know, and, and she like she desperately needed to get a move on because this is 333 kilometres non-stop <laughs> across the most dangerous part of the Sahara. You know, it's not, <laughs> don't know when he's farting around really <laughs> with someone who's sick, but she stuck, she stuck by me. And then another two guys who are French, and they don't even speak a word of English to, you know, but they picked me up literally and between them they dragged me a couple of kilometres into the next checkpoint where I could get medical help. And that's the type of people you meet, you know, yeah. who will sacrifice their race, uh, their, you know, their podium finish or whatever to to help a fellow runner who's in deep, deep trouble. And at the end of the day, you know, that's you, you get a few who aren't like that, who will walk over top of other people to get there. You do get mm. the odd one, and I've, I've seen a few, but very often it's the other way around. And mm. I remember reading in one of your blogs, um, a Japanese lady, was it in the Attica, uh, Oh Patagonia? yes, Patagonia. Yeah, <laughs> on the on the long stage there, and and you were sort of going past each other and 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 yeah. frogging all day, and then at the end she said, just before you cross the finish line, I mean, you, you tell the story. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, um, and, and it's funny because I don't speak any Japanese and she spoke very little English, but we ran, you know, we weren't running together. We'd just sort of keep an eye on each other all day. I'd go a little bit ahead and she'd go a little bit ahead. And then, uh, yeah, about a kilometre out from the finish line, she just looked at me and said, we've, we've been running, you know, in very broken English. We've been running together all day. Let's do this together. And Spread we held hands, hands and, and we ran in and, and then, you know, we hadn't even asked each other We didn't even know each other's names at that stage, but we just had this camaraderie where we were doing this together and you know we came in she just burst into tears when we crossed the finish line and and then I said what's your name (laughs) (laughs) because we shared all this together and uh but you know these things names aren't aren't important it's you you, um you bond on a soul level I think you bond on a soul level that's just beautifully put that is so true and you know maybe you don't even see them again but for that day for that moment 
for that race, you know, you human to human, you helped each other out, you helped each other across, and you've been yeah. through something dramatic together. Yeah. And this is, you know, like, corporates always talk about team building exercises and, you know, we'll go out and do play mini golf or something. And I'm going, man, take your crew on something like this. I mean, maybe not to that extreme, <laughs> but they will come back bound. Either they'll either hate each other, when that happens too, because you get you get the you know the opposite ends of the stick, or you'll come back bound for life, and you'll have a fantastic team, you know. And that's the power of nature and the power of of um, of, of challenge and difficulty in nature bonds people together because it's no longer about what school did you go through, how big's your car, what what house do you you know live in, and all that yeah. crap gets ripped away isn't it like mm-hmm. when, when you're in the tent at the end of the night with your 10 comrades who are out there doing it there's the toilet cleaners lying next to the <laughs> the you know surgeon and lying next to the politician lying next to that the is CEO. so true and we're right across the board and nobody gives a shit you know that's nobody, right nobody cares what you are back home and so you get to reinvent yourself as well you yeah know? you get to be you it's your values and who you are deep down as a person that define you, not what you do for a living, not how much money you earn. None of that stuff matters. And that, that I think that it's the beauty of ultra running, but particularly those multi-day yeah. events. Um, you know, I sort of realised, like the guys that, that first big red run, um, you know, I was um, in a tent with two guys and we became really great friends over the course of the week. And then um, later, so I live in Melbourne and there in Sydney and a few years later I was in Sydney and I looked I looked them up and and they said oh come over one of them invited me over for dinner and he lived in this grand beautiful house the other one picked me up in his sports car I couldn't figure out how to open the door because it was one of those doors that just lift up and I thought wow nowhere else I would never have met these guys any like they live in a different world to me but we just bonded soul to soul all that external stuff didn't matter we had the same hearts and you know I will consider those guys really good friends for life but had it not been for an experience like this there's no way we would have met or if we had met I would have judged them by you know the car they drove or them you know it it would have just been a barrier it would have been a barrier yeah and this is what people don't often get that sometimes you know running around in a super flash car or whatever is actually a barrier to getting to know really cool people <laughs> instead of looking yeah. at and by the token the other you know the other side of the things you know it's wonderful just to be I remember a race uh, in the Sahara this was um, the long day in the Sahara brutal brutal day um, I remember well it would take me 12 hours and I was running with Sam Gash fellow Australian amazing woman um, and we and, and another guy from from Ireland who was just the coolest dude and uh, Magnus and he we battled through this 111 kilometres together and we got in at 9 o'clock at night and then the next day, like next day, like 20 hours later or whatever it is, at 4 o'clock the next day the last guy was coming across the finish line and it was this guy from Korea and everyone was waiting, everybody in the camp was at the finish line to cheer this guy who was literally crawling across, you know, like step by step, like tiny little wee tiny steps, absolutely smashed. And, and 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 about from 200 metres out, like they had the drums going as they have at these <laughs> things, and everyone was getting all sort of emotionally wound up. And this guy was bowing, you know, because he was Korean, and that's <laughs> what they do. And it was just like bowing the whole last 200 metres to everybody, is, and we were all cheering him. And it was all the flags were flying, and the and the United Nations man, if 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 we could get the United <laughs> Nations guys and the peacekeeping things just to come on the multi-day stage race we wouldn't have world <laughs> war three you know like we were all dancing around and congratulating him and he was crying and we were all crying and it was beautiful you know and it's one of those moments where you just say wow that that you know sport moves people on a yeah. different on a different level and and people battling and and, and struggling and and challenging themselves and we were all celebrating the last guy across the line, not the first guy across the line, the last guy who'd been to hell and back and he'd, he'd overcome and he'd survived and he'd done it, you know? How Such a powerful. beautiful sport. <laughs> oh, it is. It is a beautiful sport. I hope it never changes. I hope it doesn't lose that, um, you know, I think it's lost it a little bit in the, in the 
sort of 50 to 100k races yeah it's not quite the same it's very like getting much more and more competitive i hope that the multi-day stays the multi-day where it's all about friendship and comradeship yeah i I agree i was talking about the sport the chain the way the sport has changed um you know i was talking to a friend this morning about your book and some of the stories you've told told in that and and um yeah how racing has changed over that time it's um you know it's the the times now are so fast and you know they're they're admirable the what these athletes are doing now but I think that um just you know going back to the the basics and that mental strength that grit that determination that to me that's what attracted me to ultra running that you don't have to be a great athlete you have to be a great person if you are a strong person this sport is for you like if you you know you want put your mind to it put your heart to it and you will get to the finish line and nobody cares how long it takes that's just it's just not relevant at no, all. That's so beautiful, eh? <laughs> Whereas when you go over to a marathon, it's what was your time? Did you do a sub yeah. whatever, four hour, three and it's hour, getting whatever? A, I think, like when I ran my first 100 kilometer race, nobody asked me what time I finished in. No, it wasn't important. It was no. you ran 100 kilometers. That's awesome. Crap. You ran 100K. <laughs> Whereas now people are, you know, I think the 100K and even the 100 miler. Um, those distance people are getting a little bit obsessed with times and yeah. you know that's great if you're an elite athlete and sponsorship is what you're after um, it's impressive to see but I hope that the magic of that last person that crosses the finish line doesn't get lost in this yeah actually that was one of the other stories and in, in, was it Ashley Bennett um, gave yeah. dedicated their prize to the to, to the last one yeah. over the line in one of your races yeah, so um, two bays. Um, so I did that as a training run uh, five, six years ago. Um, so that's a 56-kilometre race here in Victoria. And it's it's an ultramarathon a lot of people would do as their first one because it's it's a step up from the marathon, but it's, it's you know, so it, yep. it's not too crazy. You're never too far from a road. So, you know, you can, if things go really pear-shaped, you're not yep. going to, you know, diet in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, um, it's an event that gets a lot of um, first-timers. Um, and so I did it as my first sort of warm-up leading into into the big red run. But because it's um, it's got a really special place in my heart, that event, and I think a lot of Victorian ultra runners because it's a lot of our first event. But it also has quite tight cutoff times and you have to have a qualifying event to get into that uh, that event. Wow. So I really – so I did it again this year. I did it um, a few weeks ago now. And I noticed looking around me how, how things had changed a bit, you know, it, that having – um, quali- tight qualifying times means you don't get that whole breadth of yeah. of ultra runners, yeah. you know, at that start line. And yeah, yeah, and so it is a bit of a shame. But I understand they they have got road closures and permits and things. So it's yeah. I think it's not so much of an elitist type thing. It's just a fun- functional thing. That's yeah. they, that's the only way they can hold the event. But um, and it, you know, it's a wonderful event. And so you know, I I finished and I finished. You know, not not that. Um, much before the one of the last runners, so I was still sitting around the, yep. the finish line when that last runner came through. Uh, I think she had something like thirty seconds before the cutoff wow. time that she came through the finish line. <laughs> and Ash Bennett, who I think he comes second, and he's an exceptional athlete. And um, you know, he gave his podium prize to the woman who'd been out there the longest. Cool. And I've heard he's done that at a since I put that in my blog. I've been told by a few people that he does that at a few races. Awesome. Which I just think that's like you know, in terms of like he's one of those people who are breaking records. And I think you know, as he progresses in his career, he's just going to, he's just you know, yeah. going to be breaking records and um, knocking out those really fast times. But he hasn't lost. What that's what the sport yeah. is about he, he, by, he by respects, doing something like that. He respects the others who aren't in the same yeah. class as him. I just loved yeah. it. <laughs> so, do you th- like you've done a, a couple of hundred milers and you've done how many multi-day stage races have you done now? Um, so I've done three multi-stage races yep. and two hundred milers. So Atacama, and Patagonia, uh, and the Big, Big Red, Red Run, and the hundred milers. I did a 100-miler in Zion National Park oh, wow. um, in Utah, which was just phenomenal. Oh, um, I yeah. cannot recommend uh, that. So that um, that particular race, if anyone's thinking of a first 100-miler, that event 
embodies the spirit of of that we've been talking about today about oh, ultra running. It's it's you know it doesn't matter how slow you go, it's a party out there. And the, I was so surprised at how many women um, race in the states. So I don't, I'm not sure what it's like in New Zealand, but in Australia, it's still once you get over say the hundred k distance, yeah, like particularly hundred miles, yeah. predominantly men. And even um, two bays the other day, fifty six kilometres. Um, there was no lineup for the female toilets at the start of the race and a huge lineup for the men. So I think that to me that still says there's it's not quite equal. But I was blown away by how many women are at like I think it was half half at yep. um that Zion hundred miler that I did um easily and um that gives a different feel to the race. It's yep. You know, you're it, it was just wonderful. Actually I've got a, um, a good book re- recommendation for it from um um a friend of mine who was actually on the podcast a few weeks back, you will never listen, Molly Sheridan. Um, she wrote a book called Running Past Midnight and she took up ultra marathon running at the age of 48. Now she's 61 and she's kicked ass all over. Wow. The That's, That's a really awesome. cool story. Mm. She, she lived in, uh, well, not in Utah, but in Las Vegas for a long time and now she's just um, in Reno. But yeah, another good recommended book for all the listeners out there. Must, must. Uh, read that one for the girls. I will definitely have to get that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Tosh, what, like, you, you've been through some tough times in your life. Um, have you managed, like, has running helped you controlling, like, for example, your bipolar? Has that yes. been a part of your, you know, healing process, if you like? Yeah, and it's been um, a real learning experience. So, um, I started out. You know, I loved the lure of, you know, as uh, your book and, and um, you know, other books that I read about, all these amazing, um, you know, exotic runs that seem so dangerous. I loved the sound of them. But to be honest, um, you know, having only uh, my – I sort of started my journey into ultra running at the same time I was learning about what it meant to – be a person who had been diagnosed with with bipolar and mm. how that was actually going to affect my life um, from that point on. And so I loved the sound of of all those you know really long races that that you know you've done and that are out there. But I was terrified um, about going without sleep because yeah. um, I'd been told that one of the risk factors for ha- triggering oh. a manic episode is is going without sleep. Yeah. Yep. So I had avoided. I didn't do a hundred miler for a long time. I stuck, I did the multi-day. So I did the big red run and then I did Atacama. And um, I went to see um, a sleep psychologist prior to going into um, uh, Atacama. And she had told me, and so I, I, I went off my medication um, oh, probably a year into running um, awesome. ultras. I went off my medication Excellent. and um, I, you know, I'm very um, conscious that some that's not an option for some people. So I don't sort of push mm. that you shouldn't take it if you need it. Yes. But for me, the side effects were quite dangerous. The mm-hmm. fact that I was, you know, damaging my liver with every oh, pill yeah. that I took was quite scary. So um, I got to a point where I was stable went off my medication and, and I went to see the psychologist about managing my sleep. But we got talking about, um, you know, my um, my depression and my mental illness and, and running and how that could help and, and hinder. Um, and she was so wonderful and had sort of talked to me about, you know, the issues and the symptoms rather than using labels that I felt that psychiatrists often do. Oh, okay. um, yeah. And she thought that I had managed to stabilise my mood using running. Yeah. Um, she, she, that was her clinical diagnosis, wow. that, that, that running had actually created what the medication had been doing in my brain. And as long as I was able to get a regular dose of running in, <laughs> then I, that was like taking a pill. Wow. And, uh, and so that was... I started to then think, well, you know, what else is possible? Like, the, you know, the doctors tell you, you ha- don't do this, don't yeah, do that, yeah, you must yeah. take this pill. Oh. And suddenly I had a, a very experienced health professional who was on my side and was helping me explore other possibilities. Um, and it, so it, then... It is about, I mean, I don't know bipolar, I know depression very well, um, but it is about balancing 
and giving yourself what you need in the time that you need it. And even like for me to, you know, right to this day, I have to go training, otherwise I get shitty, moody, uh, <laughs> frustrated, angry, whole gamut of emotions that I still, this is the way I control those, is yes. through exercise, and I come back from, from running, and it's a, it's its own addiction, if you if you want, I, I call it the positive addiction, <laughs> um, and if I, I would be an unbalanced person, I think, um, if I didn't have that outlet, yeah, um, I, and I don't think that that's a sickness. I almost, I, I always, I, I think that's a hu- part of the human condition, and that we're so separated nowadays from nature um, that we're stuck in, you know, sitting in chairs and behind computers and in offices yeah. and in schools. That this unbalance or this, you know, this balance, if you like, actually often comes from a lack of connection with nature and breathing outside and being outside and physically being active. Um, that we can a lot of a lot of people, not everybody, because this is you know like you say you can't go and say well you should never take any drugs or you should never. I mean I was on anti antidepressants for many many years, um, and I needed that at that at that stage and now I don't need yeah. it. Um, but there is a way to use running and sport and outdoor being outdoors. It might not be running, mm. it might be something else to balance your moods. Mm. I was reading um, recently that um, governments are recognising in in health policy that one of the things that makes us sick as a society is not having a connection with nature. And so cities are, um, you know, building urban gardens and things because as as part of health policy. And so I think, you know, that was... uh, that sort of highlights how natural it is for us to be out in nature and how we can make ourselves really sick if we deprive ourselves from that. Yep. I mean, kids, you know, with ADHD and all that sort of autism, they, they can all probably benefit from more activity outside. Whether yeah. it's going to completely fix their problem, that's, you know, for the doctors or whoever to decide. <laughs> but I think it's beneficial for everybody, you know, basically if you can connect yourself to the outdoors in some meaningful way. Um, yeah. So what's on the agenda for you now going forward? Like, what, Have you got any other running goals or other you know, massive tasks? That even like, Has this helped you in your career, in your personal life, in your relationships, in your business, whatever you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. I think I was having a um, – so I'm a lawyer by profession. Wow. And cool. um, I was having a conversation. I've just started a new job and um, – I, you know, you're sort of making that first impression when you've got to tell people what you do for fun, it, they think you're a little bit of an oddball. <laughs> it's a compliment. A job and uh, then had to tell them I was taking leave to go and run 250 kilometres across <laughs> Patagonia. And <laughs> but um, I've been, you know, trying to explain to, to my colleagues that, um, you know, so I had an experience in, in Atacama where it was so much hotter than, you know, I, I thought it was going to be and you would know how heavy oh. those packs weigh. Yeah. Know, and uh, I had just got to a point where I just felt so broken and I knew I had 20 kilometres to go in the peak, like the hottest point oh, of the day yep. before things would start to get a little bit easier and manageable. And I had to, you know, factor in, well, all right, I've got this much water. I'm feeling every time I, you know, start to run, I spew. And, yep. uh, you know, how am I actually going to get 20Ks? How am I going to do that, um, you know, without getting heat stroke? And, and I knew that, you know, we can sort of laugh about it, but the reality is, is if I'd collapsed there's no there. one there, right? No one would find me no. before it was too late. Like people die. People have people died do doing die. these things. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you problem solve your way to get where you need to go. You be rational. And, and I was explaining to one of my colleagues, I said, you know, after that experience, because he was saying, you know, do you think that you – you run too much, you know, do you think your career suffers because you, you, you know, live this full life? And I said, no, my career benefits because when a complex case comes across my desk, I think, is this Atacama? Am <laughs> I going to die? You know? Absolutely. <laughs> let's just think about it rationally yeah. and let's, let's problem panicking. solve our way to, through this. And um, so running has absolutely helped me with, with my career, just that that problem, ability to problem solve, ability to stay calm in what could otherwise be a stressful situation. And, and also, um, I think, you know, we create this world we live in now. Oh, we create yeah, these jobs. We create stuff. this stress. It's all make-believe. 
And when we go out and run in these, you know, extreme environments, it's a reminder of what real risk is. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. How you really can die today. Or how you can really end up in hospital and not just, oh, my God, I've had a bad day in the office. That's right. Like what what actually is urgent? What really is, you know, life or death? Like let's really, you know, get get, get real on this. (laughs) Perspective. It gives you a new perspective. And it also gives you new horizons because you, you have pushed yourself through a situation like that one where you've gone, well, I survived that one, so this ain't going to kill me. I, I can, exactly. I, can, I might be nervous, I might be scared, I might be whatever, but I, I know that I've done harder stuff. So that absolutely it lifts your horizon of what you're capable of. Yeah. And I think um, that sort of links into my, uh, the, the other point I was going to make about, um, so, you know, early on I was very scared about attempting 100 milers, worried about what the lack of sleep might do for my mental health. And, you know, I just I just took it one race at a time, you know, experimented how far could I go. And um, I've realised actually I, I'm fine. I'm, I, as long as I look after my nutrition and I look after my body before and after races, I am fine. I am mentally tough. I can do these things. And so, yeah, going forward in the future, I'm not defined by my my what not I think are my limitations. Um, this is, yeah, when, when, when the doctors when they wrote those recommendations that you don't have sleep deprivation because you've got bipolar, they were not thinking of a crazy turkey runs desert, you know, <laughs> and who has developed the mental toughness skills to be able to cope with those situations. And I think it's a bit yeah. of a, a dichotomy where you you're, you're mentally vulnerable and once state of affairs, if you like, from, from your mental illness or your, in my case, depression or whatever. On the other, ha- on the other side, you're tough as nails. Uh, and, and, and it's hard to reconcile the two. You know, you, you, you're on one hand very vulnerable, on the other hand, you know, nothing can break you. Um, it's just that, that the two sides of the person yeah. you can work, work with them and you learn when to push, when to pull back, how to find balance, when to yeah. go harder. You know, uh, yeah, and it's not all roses. Like I've, you know, sometimes I've, you know, you put expectations on yourself for certain races, and they go pear shaped, and that can trigger a depression. Um, you know, so it's not running doesn't cure everything, but it's, you know, it's so much better than not running. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, and even those horrible times, it's not how many times you know, as you know, you get knocked down. It's, it's did you get back up again? Did you bounce yeah. back up? Did you learn from that situation? And to understanding when you are pushing limits physically, I'm talking about, um, you cannot con- you can control the variables of your training, your nutrition, your hydration, your sleep to a certain degree. You cannot control what happens to you out there. You cannot control the temperatures. You cannot control getting lost. You cannot control a whole, whole raft of things. So you have to understand that things could go pear-shaped. And anybody who is an adventurer who is pushing the limits risks failure and you have to be okay with that you have yes. to understand that that is part for this lifestyle this part of this journey that you're on you're gonna fall flat on your face sooner or later and if you haven't then you're probably not pushing hard enough that is so well put yeah. well it's, it's, it's so you know having failed on a number of occasions <laughs> as you were witness to on one um that and there has to be your perspective that you you know you learn from it, you get back up, and you dust yourself off, you cry, you have a bit of time out, and then you get back on the horse. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Tash, <laughs> I think we've had a wonderful um, discussion today, and I'm really so proud to have you on, on the show. I think you're an amazing person and an amazing athlete, and I'll, I'll be um, watching you a little bit closer now that we've um, managed to be friends again and, and <laughs> find each other through the power of the internet. Um <laughs> And is there any sort of last sort of things for maybe for women out there who are, you know, just starting out on maybe a running journey and they maybe you just, you know, maybe they're in their 30s, 40s, they're in a big career, they're struggling with weight, whatever, but they feel like there's something inside them wants to do something epic. What would be oh. your advice? I would say just go for it. Just have a go. Um, I think, you know, the, there are so many with, um, you know, Facebook and um, there are so many online support communities and there's so many um, running groups that have been organised um, online that 
ultra running or you, you know you don't even, you know, I'm not you don't even have to do an ultra no. you know just uh you know yeah go for a walk you know whatever <laughs> it is that that is is something that you want to do or something that's you know sitting in your mind as a, as a possibility that you want to try you know um reach out to people and um you know and you know use those support networks and and have a go don't be afraid of failing but also you know remember that it's your journey and if you need to take things slowly if you need to do things on your terms that's okay too I don't get caught up in well because you know so and so well because you know I will say I have you know was diagnosed with bipolar in that same year went and ran 250 k's across the desert that doesn't need to be your story and if you ran 5k that doesn't mean that it's any less significant um you know just celebrate those achievements celebrate those milestones and and do things on your own terms but do them have a but go do don't and be afraid don't yeah yeah and, and i think it's a fantastic min- uh, message to to end on don't compare yourself to other people but compare yourself, me versus me, I like to say, me versus me. That's, what's, that's what counts, me today versus me yesterday. Um, and, you know, am I going for my goals that I've set myself right now and am I tackling those challenges? I think that's a fantastic message. And there is, like, we, when I started Ultramarathon Running, for example, there was no coach. I mean, and, and there was no structure. There was no idea of even how to replace electrolytes or anything like that. <laughs> You know, I went, my first, you know, desert crossing I did with the nuts and chocolate. I had no idea what I was doing. And, and two sizes too small, you know, like, oh. Um, and now we have, all, you know, and, and that's, you know, one of the things I do is, is a lot of coaching. And we've got a company called Running Hot Coaching that the listeners will know about. And, you know, we shortcut that for people so that they can get to the good stuff without having to reinvent the entire wheel. <laughs> <laughs> and learn from the mistakes that, that we made along the way, you know. Um, but just get started. Put one foot in front of the other and try and go a little bit further that today than you did yesterday and set yourself a goal. It's a good good answer. Well, thank you so much, Tash, for being... Where can people get hold of you if they want to write to you and, and get, you know, maybe connect with you? Yeah, you know, your so um, my Facebook is Tash Sekulik. S-E-K-U-L-I-C. Um, and I have a blog, um, which I think is, you know, really important. I encourage everyone to have a blog um, because there are highs and lows of ultra running and, or, or any sport or life in general life, and yeah. um, writing them out, um, writing all that out really is cathartic. So um, my blog is, um, I forget the actual address, but it's Natasha Sekulik WordPress. Yeah, um, yep. Natasha Sekulik WordPress. Google that and you'll find Natasha's blog, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> we can put that in the show notes anyway. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your 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 treasured time today, Tash. It's been really thank nice you so much for having me. Yeah, and um, look after yourself and go and still keep being epic. <laughs> thank you. You too. Bye. See you. Take this opportunity to tell you about my new e-course, The Path of an Athlete, that I just launched recently. This is all about how to develop mental strength, resilience and tenacity, learning how to overcome the barriers to reaching your full potential and stop those limiting beliefs that have held you back. Whether it be in your personal life, your career or in your sporting goals, you can control the outcome of your life. For more information, please go to www.lisatamati.co.nz forward slash e-course. That's it for this episode of Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tamati. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and share all this goodness with your networks so we can impact more lives with positive insights and inspiring conversations. And check us out online at www.lisatamati.co.nz.